Imagine a world where heroes rise up, supported by a cast of thousands on a quest to destroy the greatest evil ever known. Well, this is not that story. But if you are searching for a fantasy that sits outside the box, a story that likes to poke fun at the traditional, or if you're seeking a guidebook for achieving world domination, choose Myrtle Norton's Guide to World Domination from Dark Myth Publishing. An autobiography. Autobiography. It's a mostly true story, which is totally unbelievable. You can find it at www.mythmart.com. What's your favorite genre? Fantasy, horror, romance, sci-fi? Gabriella Balcom's book On the Wings of Ideas includes all of these and more. It's filled with unforgettable people who will touch your heart, astound you, or even make you shiver. The stories include Jacob, who survived everything life's thrown at him, but can he survive his beloved mother's deathbed request? Ralph's deteriorating, and Gertrude would do anything to save him. Serial killers fascinate young Bobby, and he's developed unusual hobbies of his own. No one knows, no one would even guess. Edwina and her classmates are storming Area 51, but she's nauseous. This is an adventure for them, but for her, it's a matter of life and death. Abuse damaged Sandy's self-esteem, but a supernatural being gives her a chance for some well-deserved payback. Mai longs for one thing she wants more than life itself, and appeals to a goddess for help. Dahlia wants to help an injured cat, but her widowed father can't afford to feed it. He can barely keep himself and Dahlia fed and housed. Maggie stresses about Joe. If anything happens to her, who would take care of it? Sludge has been trapped behind the boundary for eons, but it's about to come down. Ruth tries to save a badly damaged rose plant and is transported to a wondrous magical world. Becky the Blabbermouth delights in troublemaking, but she's about to learn karma is real. Sylvana hides in terror when he appears. Will her invisibility and protection spells work? Jenny can't write a good story about fairies and travels to Ireland for inspiration. If only magical creatures were real. Kevin's discovery shocks him. Could that be a monster? Readers have been praising Gabriella's book. Here are some of the comments. I loved each of these stories. Great job putting unique twists. Highly recommended. A sweet delight really touched my heart. Each adventure is an easy read and thought-provoking. Quite the journey. Great creation. Five senses are tickled and tantalized. I was intrigued from the beginning to the end. A mini masterwork in the horror genre, a true work of art, can be read again and again with pleasure. Setting, character, and structure work like a piece of music to produce a mini symphony that reverberates with beauty with each reading. To get your own copy of Gabriella Balcom's On the Wings of Ideas in paperback or on Kindle, go to Amazon.com. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Carry on my way, Wilson. 
Welcome to Lupa's Bits. I am your host, as always, Lupa, and this is episode 136. So, probably noticed, if you're following along, playing the home game, that there was no podcast last week. Um, the reason why there was no podcast last week is because I was playing cottage bingo. We went to my sister's cottage, and um, the signal up there was sketchy. There's no Wi-Fi up there. She doesn't have internet at her cottage. So my data, there wasn't quite enough data to podcast, upload, and send all you lovely people a pod. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to say that because it's just not going to be right. So I'm going to just say it the way it's supposed to be said. Cottage Country Podcast. <laughs> so anyway. Um, but we're back this week and I've got some fun stuff for you. I've got some really, oh my God, stuff for you. And yes, we are going to get into Cottage Bingo because yes, I did. And there is, um, pictorial and video proof of all of the things that I found at this cottage. So first of all, I'll get housekeeping out of the way. We still don't know who the third place winner is because it will not be announced. Dave is keeping that hot little secret to himself. Um, he's not telling anybody. Tim and I actually discussed this earlier on MythBits. Um, if you listen to MythBits on Monday, you will hear me. Be Sorry. Um, I'm in the middle of a lightning thunder and lightning storm right now, so you may hear some thunder every once in a while. You may hear me go, eek, because, you know, I'm watching the lightning out my window, and it's fork lightning, not sheet lightning. And fork lightning usually hits stuff near me. Um, it's a thing. Anyway, if you listen to Mythbits on Monday, you will hear me talking about all I know about about um, being on social media and trying to sell your products, your books, your whatever, yourself on social media and any advice and tips and other things that I may have had for you when I was doing the podcast. That's not what this one is about. Um, oh, my prime minister looks so sad. His wife left him. I don't think in the history of there being a prime minister in Canada, has there ever been a public separation or divorce? Um, they usually wait until they're out of office if they leave them, but they don't generally leave them because it's like a publicity thing. What are you doing? Unmute and say it. Oh, that's right. She she left him for James Hetfield, um, the lead singer of Metallica. I, I'm, I, I mean, the, the the two of them are like night and day. But I know y'all, some of you have some really strong opinions about you know JC, Mr. Justin Trudeau. But you know JT, not JC, JT. Keep them to yourself. I don't want to hear him. I don't want to get political. Shut up. <laughs> And Mike knows that I'm talking exactly to him. Um, 
as a joke. Anyway, that's what um, my mouse moved. And, and if you have Windows 11, you know, if it goes too far over to the left corner, you get this, this thing that pops up and it's like news and crap. And it's never anything that I want to see. Like there's something American news and a Lego shop. It's a motorcycle. What, what did the women who woman who foresaw 9-11 predict for 2023? I don't think I want to know. If this chick predicted 9-11, I don't think I want to know. Um, apparently, the photos for on this day, my photos for on this day are... Not for public consumption. <laughs> anyway... Um, happy anniversary to my boyfriend. <laughs> and, and, and happy anniversary to, um, the world of Mythbits. Five years ago today, episode one aired. Holy crap. And look where, and this, and this is the reason why I have my own podcast now. <laughs> because I did not follow or the rules or play nice um, and d there was no way Dave could control me and make me do what he wanted me to do and have the podcast go in the direction he wanted it to go in. So he just gave me my own and I fought and kicked and cried and grumbled and thought he was mad at me and cried some more, <laughs> did a podcast about leaving and cried then too. Um, and then did my first podcast of lupus bits and cried there. There was a lot of crying back then. But anyway, oh, look, there's a WestJet ad. He's looking up flight prices today. So if anybody's out there that wants to, like, drive me to California, that'd be great. Um, ooh, how to remove collections from your credit reports. That'd be cool. So I'm just scanning, like, the news. There's really no housekeeping. We didn't have any housekeeping on MythBits, and we really have no housekeeping. I'm going to talk about my stuff. I'm going to get to my, what? Robert P. Atone's wrist. Okay, so there is some housekeeping. Uh, Robert P. Atone won the second place prize for the open contract challenge for year four. And his ebook was supposed to come out at the beginning of the year after the book, the first place winner, um, Cliff Flint, was released. But... There was a scheduling conflict with him, so then we rebooked for July. There was a scheduling conflict with me, so it came out um, last week on Tuesday. So it is out. It's an ebook form, and it is called The Last Horror Hero. Um, and that wraps up the winner's prizes for year four. And on September 24th, when the World of Myth magazine comes back into the world of readership. Um, we will be announcing the um, winners of year five. So hang around for that. Ow, back on my neck. Uh, oh, daily astrology. Let's find out if my day was crappy or not. Let's find out. Yeah, this is going to be a weird podcast because I'm kind of in a weird mood. I've already done a serious podcast today. So, um, Taurus. Because our illustrious leader, Dave, is a Taurus. Probably already figured that out. So it says, this is for today, 
uh, Thursday, August 17th. There's not much left of it. Uh, it says, be grateful for any opportunities for advancement and recent improvements in your life. You can go closer to an existing partner by sharing your excitement about new discoveries and a passion for excellence. <laughs> I'm your partner. You better be sharing it with me. Um, okay, so mine. Guess what sign I am? I am an Aquarius. Seeing someone else's abode could motivate you into a home renovation or into redecorating. Replace the worn out items with new and functional ones. Try not to be afraid to try something new or set fresh goals. Well, I washed the floor today. I did laundry, changed the sheets on my bed. Thought about dusting, but that's about as far as it got. All right, Cappy, Capricorn, because I know we have a Capricorn out there that listens. You may be mentally adept and can be creative when you discover innovative ideas. Apply vision and imagination, and you could pad your bank account. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Try not to give in to a passing whim that might disrupt your home life. Don't move him in. Don't do it. Just don't. And get off your butt and get all your shirts and all your other stuff on your Etsy shop and get selling it, lady. Sorry, I used to read tarot for her, too. <laughs> I would read her what the card said, and then I would drive it home with my witty banter. Okay, Scorpio, I know you're out there, too. I'm not sure if you listen, but here it is. It may not be necessary to be perfect to be extraordinary. Original ideas or new ways of handling problems can change your life for the better. You might not get your way without offering something of value in return. Okay, we'll leave it at that. Um... Ooh, that's where I was going. All right, folks, Libra. It might not be a clever idea to mix business with pleasure. Your efforts to persuade social contracts or to participate in financial plans may not be welcome. A loved one could want romance, not business proposals. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, anyway. They don't need to be messing around with romance. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. And for the little Virgo in our life. One secret to being wise is understanding what to ignore. She's great at ignoring things, especially us. Rather than pointing out someone's error or criticizing their work, you can applaud whatever they have done well. A minor mistake might turn out to be insignificant. She's really good at doing that, though. Like, you could shave half your half the hair off your head, and she'd look at you and go, well, at least it's still long and pretty on the other side. Doesn't make you feel any better, but she's trying to see the good. She's really good at that. All right, so let's, let's move on. That was kind of an accidental jumping in. I've got some weirdness for you people. Got some weirdness for you. But first, we need to tell you about my last two weeks. So, a week was spent at the cottage. We'll get into that in a minute. Came back from the cottage, and on the Monday, I did a book reading. Never done a book reading before. 
I've sold my books. I've talked about my books. I got up at a street fair and read the first chapter of one of my books, but I've never actually done a book reading. So this was whole, totally new for me. And I was freaking terrified. Okay. I was a I was pacing back and forth. I felt like I was going to throw up. I mean, hockey players, they have two helmets, one for game time, one to throw up in. I needed two helmets. So unfortunately, um, my books were supposed to come in on Friday, but FedEx is stupid and they came Tuesday. The book reading was on Monday. Do you see the problem? <laughs> so I didn't have my books there, but it was okay because the people that were there wanted to buy one anyway. So I just dropped them off at the shop on Wednesday when I came home. Uh, it went really well. We had a lot of viewers on, um, on TikTok. The Facebook feed on my page was messed up. There was no volume to it for some reason. I don't know. I got to look into that. For the next time but um it went really well on nimway's closet as well and um we did it live on tiktok there was lots of pictures um there were some really good questions in the question and answer period after um ah, i have an itch in the middle of my back and i don't have my back scratcher it's like way over there i don't want to get up and go get it i gotta get up and go get it i'm gonna keep making weird noises Okay, we have the back scratcher. All right, so it was a really good experience. I had a lot of fun. My family came out, my sister, my brother-in-law, the three kids came out to support me. And they actually bought stuff at the shop, so they supported the shop as well, which was really, really cool. Um, that was really nice. And I had a really good time. Hung out after, chatted with some of the people that showed up and um, when I went down on Wednesday, I sat down and I wrote little special notes into the autographed ones for the three people that um, I know personally. And then I just signed the rest of them, you know, enjoy. Cause that's my standard enjoy in my name. Um, but it was really fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, I noticed I have some health issues that I need to take care of. Cause yeah, those pictures were horrible. <laughs> Did you notice there haven't been any put online yet because I haven't approved of any yet. Uh, I'm a little bigger than I had anticipated. See, in my mind, I'm still 120 pounds. So I look in the mirror and then I look in the mirror and go, oh, that doesn't match. That's not what I look like. My mirror is broken. And my scale lies to me all the time. But yeah, it went good. I was, it went good. Wow. I took a drink of water and suddenly lost the ability to talk in proper sentences and correct grammar. That was the bus. Um, I had several selections that I was going to read and I didn't realize the chapters were actually as long as they were. Um, so I didn't get to read all of the selections that I had chosen, but I didn't run out of things to read. I wasn't like leafing through the book trying to find a good piece to read. I had enough to choose from, which I was worried about that I wasn't going to, but I did. So that was good. I feel like I've been talking for a half an hour and it's only been 15 minutes. I need to slow down. I think it's because I want to go crawl. I had a shower this morning, so I'm clean because 
I have a little friend for the next 14 days. Now, before I went away last year, I had an episode that landed me at the hospital for the night. Was it, was it one night or was I there for two days? One day? It was just one day, wasn't it? Yeah, one day. Um, I was having a run of some pretty serious PVCs. So my doctor decided he wanted me to do a Holter monitor. And I told him, well, I'm going away for six months, so I'll do it when I come back. They called me in January. I'm like, I'm not home. I'll do it when I come back. So I went to see my doctor two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He says, okay, I'll order it. Well, they called me while I was at my sister's and left a message. So I called them back and I said, okay, well, don't send it till the 14th. I'll be going home after the 14th. It takes seven to 10 days to show up. But apparently, uh, because of the severity of the, the issue that I was having back then, uh, there was a two to three day rush on it. So when they ordered it, I got it in two to three days. Then she called me and she's like, how come you haven't started it yet? And I said, because I'm not home. I told you I wasn't going to be home till after the 14th. She's like, oh, well, it's waiting at the post office for you. So went and picked it up today and I'm now wired for sound. I have this little teeny, which I actually sitting, I'm sitting still so I can, oh yeah, this stupid little fanny pack. I mean, at least it's not as big as they used to be. I remember when they used to be huge. You had to wear it over your shoulder, like over your chest, like a purse. This one I can wear around my waist. I can. I can. Um, for some reason, the phone number was up. I don't know. I can wear it around my waist. I can wear it under my clothes. Um, I can take it off and put it down beside me. I can't go far because there's still wires. But I saw one on, um, I did remember too, when I was hooking it up to do it under my bra instead of doing it over my bra and being stuck in the same bra for three days. So I can take, I can take it off when I go to bed. Not the monitor, but I can take my, my sports bra off. So I can do no bra, no pants. Um, I saw one on uh, out daughtered and it was just like a little thing that just like sat on her chest and it was like just this little thing and it was a halter monitor and I mean how come we don't have that I still have to carry this thing around that's the size of a blackberry Ooh, I just aged myself didn't I there be people listening like what the hell is a blackberry that's a little tiny like fruit no it's the size of a small cell phone well yeah, it's a little smaller than my cell phone. Anyway, so yeah, sleeping's going to be fun. I'm going to have to try and figure out how I'm going to manage to finagle that with this thing around my waist. I think I did it the last time I just laid it on the bed beside me. I think that's what I did. But yeah, I have it for 14 days or until they call me and tell me that they have enough weird activity that they don't need to see 14 days worth. They always say 14 days because they never sure if you're going to actually have an issue um, right away. So they do the 14 days to make sure they catch anything that might be odd and unusual. I usually get a phone call around the fourth or fifth day, sometimes the seventh day. It says, okay, you can take it off now and send it back. We have enough. Um, and I do like the fact that if there is an issue... 
a serious issue, they'll call to make sure that A, it's hooked up properly, B, I'm okay, um, and I, you know, should I go to the hospital or not? So that's kind of cool. Anyway, um, all right, where are we going to go? So I did that, and then my book showed up on Tuesday. So I stayed at my sister's Tuesday because it was too late. It's a four and a half hour drive now. Don't you fall asleep, sir. It's a four and a half hour drive. Now I was watching the phone and it was kind of like slanting. So for the third time, it's a four and a half hour drive from my sister's. And that is taking the 402 and the 401 to the 404. Um, when I started down the 402, it said that there were two accidents, two major accidents on the 401 that were causing some pretty significant slowdowns. There was an alternate route that was faster. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. I ended up taking back roads all the way to Newmarket, which is 20 minutes, 30 minutes from, well, about 40 minutes from where I live. So, but it was lovely. It was a nice drive. At least I was moving. Um... And I ended up finding a Circle K and I got a Polar Pop and some tornadoes, which was kind of cool because that's what Dave and I would get. We'd drop the kids off at school and we'd go back to the house or we'd whip out before we'd go and pick them up and we'd go and get our our uh, big free soda and uh, these rolled up weird little, I don't know, they're called tornadoes or tornados, but they're good. Oh, my ear is so itchy. I don't know why. Uh, but, yeah, they're pretty good. So I had that. It was kind of like memories of home. <laughs> um, and the, the ride was pretty cool. It was sunny. There was there was no, no major traffic. Um, and it was a nice drive. And then I got to one point on the drive, and I remember taking the back roads from my sister's place when she lived in Grimsby. And I'm looking around going, well, I know where I am. <laughs> I'm about to cross over the 400. Sure enough, there it was. I knew exactly where I was. So, but the week before that, like I said, we were at my sister's cottage. Now, I believe uh, the podcast before I went to this, my sister's cottage, I was reading to you 20 things you'll find in every Canadian cottage. So I decided we were going to play cottage bingo. I wanted to see just how many things were at this cottage. Now, you need to understand, when my sister and my brother-in-law bought this cottage, they bought it as is, which means that the owners of said cottage left everything. Okay, you can't talk to me while you're smiling because I can't read your lips. Zero, two. Okay. Okay, unmute and tell me what. Oh yes. <laughs> they weren't on the cottage. They're they're the extra. That's the free spot in the middle of the bingo card. Okay, so um so they bought it with absolutely everything in it but the personal belongings or at least what we thought they took all their personal belongings of the owners. They took their clothes and any family pictures. 
They did leave a guest book behind. I think they probably forgot about it. Um, but they left everything else. Sheets, knickknacks, books. The one, the room that I was staying in pretty much looked like a library. Now, you need to, the inside of the cottage, okay? There is no drywall anywhere inside of the cottage. It is just studs, okay? Studs and the outside wall. That's it. Um, you go in, there's the big room, there's a kitchen, my room, they went and they bought a shed, like a barn style shed, a big one, a nice one, and attached it to the cottage and made that a room. Um, and then they just kept like building. It's kind of like they, they just kept attaching things to this main cottage. Um, so it's just studs. And like two by fours with the, the spacers in between them. They use them as shelves. They did add extra ones. But the room that I was in was the library. And there was a ton of books. I came home with some really cool books. There was all these books in there. And I got the Roger's Thesaurus in dictionary form. So, yeah, I got that because, you know, why not? Um, I love Nora Roberts. You've heard me talk about her. So I got a couple of Nora Roberts. I got Blue Dahlia and The Next Always. And then I found a really old Stephen King. Now, this is, I haven't, I've never seen a Stephen King in this format. I've seen them in hardcover and I've seen them in pocketbook. I've never seen them in this big paperback um, style before. And it says the jacket from the first edition was published in 1979. This edition was published in 1994. This is from 1994. And it's uh, The Dead Zone. Introduction by Ann Rivers. Uh... It's a collector's edition. It says right on the bottom, collector's edition. So, yeah. And it was only $19.99 back in the day. So, I was kind of, I'm very, very thrilled. This is for Owen. I love you, old bear. That's his dedication page. That's all he says. But, um, yeah, the intro is done by Ann Rivers Siddons. Um, and I... I believe, if I remember correctly, yeah, it's it was a, a collection of short stories, but they kind of worked their way into one complete, like there's different parts to them. There's part one and, and part two. So I'm excited to reintroduce myself to uh, The Dead Zone by Stephen King. I scooped, I, I think I snatched this up before my sister even had an opportunity to look at it. And I've never seen it with a dust cover that is actually the cover. Like, have you ever seen one like that in a long time or ever? Yeah. So this is pretty old and it's, it's from his collector's edition. So yeah, I had to scoop that. And then of course, you know, because everybody has to be just that ostentatious I have to have Rudyard Kipling on my bookshelf. I have Kim by Rudyard Kipling. See, Kim. 
I'm showing him. He's sitting there with his mouth open going, oh, books. Um, so, yeah. Now, there were things, specific things, that you find at a Canadian cottage that were not on the bingo card. So, they're like the bonus points. I did grab an Anne Rice, uh, the Feast of All Saints. And I got one for Dave called Above Top Secret. The Worldwide UFO Cover-Up. <laughs> He's kind of going, I don't know if I should tell her I don't want it or pretend. But he's into, like, conspiracies and stuff like that. So I thought that that would be funny for you. And with a foreword by the former Chief of Defense Staff, Lord Hill Norton. And then... The Piece de Resistance, the, the book that I was not leaving that cottage without, I would have fought anybody for it. I would have stood outside naked in the mosquitoes to be able to come home with this book. All it has on the cover, engraved on the cover, is E.B. Browning. Now, if you're not into poetry, you probably don't know who E.B. Browning is. E.B. Browning is Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Does that name ring a bell now? I'm looking at you. Do you know who E.B. Browning is? All right. A little history lesson. Okay, so Elizabeth Barrett Browning was an English poet of the Victorian era. She was popular in Britain and the United States during her life, during, during her lifetime. So that, shut up, <laughs> that is huge in and of itself because remember, she was born 1806. She died 1861. So she wrote in those 52 years, she wrote and was popular. A, nobody was popular back then before they died. And B, she was a woman. A popular author. Holy crap. That doesn't, that, that is almost unheard of. So she was an incredible poet. This book at the beginning has, um, there's like names in the, I love, how do I love the January 4th, 1951. Then it goes, uh, to sister Hazel from brother Theodore. Uh, Christmas 1916. So, uh, a monk or a priest or somebody gave it to a nun in 1916. The copyright in this book, and it is like old. It's got a picture of her. It's got the paper. Um, it's the Oxford edition, the poetical works of Elizabeth Barrett Browning. 
Humphrey Milford, Oxford University Press, 1913. Yes, 1913. Like, holy crap. That goes along with... Oh, I'm I always have this one handy, too. So, um, as I was saying, this book is incredibly special to me um, for the very reason that I collect old books. Old special books. Like, I wouldn't just collect any old book because it was old. This is Elizabeth Barrett Browning. I wrote poetry for years and years and years and years and years. And the very first book that I collected was um, Lord Tennyson. And I have that book in my hot little hands as we speak. And it's copyright. This is the cabinet edition. This is Tennyson, Tennyson's poems. And this, again, is the filmy paper. And this copyright is... Eighteen ninety nine. So this is the oldest book that I have, and it's all of his. It's the complete works, the, the Tennyson's poetical works, and now I have poems of E. B. Browning. So I'm I'm very thrilled to have these two. Uh, they're very special to me, and yeah, I kind of feel like the dude at Moon Books right now. <laughs> Moon's Rare Books, because I have two, and I'm very, very excited, and I'm very worried about my little machine. Oh, press to unlock. Yay! Okay, it says monitor running, day one. We're still on day one. Okay, so maybe we should put it back in the little poachy thing and not just be free-balling it here. There we go. Okay, now we're back in the little poachy thing. Ooh, it got quiet in here. My dryer just shut off. But it's not done. It's back on. Um, so, yeah, I love old books, but I love old books by authors that I know. So I was very happy to, to, to get that Elizabeth Barrett Browning book. Um, yeah. So that was a lovely find. Now, my sister and I had talked about going to the library and finding some DVDs because she said there was a DVD player. So while we were going through the books... She's like, oh, look, DVDs. And she was all excited. And then she pulled them out. And we went, oh, because they were of the adult variety, which disturbed us. But, I mean, we're both grown adults. We kind of giggled and laughed it off. And then she actually looked at the title. And we were thoroughly, thoroughly mortified. Um, it was Mother Daughter porn yes it was it was uh, i have i have no words you have no idea how fast they got thrown back on the shelf and both my sister and i looked at each other and it's like we need a shower we need a hot scalding shower separately just ew <laughs> yuck no thank you um and there were three of them there were three dvds so, yeah, normally you don't find porn at the cottage unless it's like old Playboy, but wow. And it was a good thing the DVD player didn't work anyway. It wasn't even plugged into the TV. So, 
But we did figure out how to get, because it's an old cottage, but the TV was a TCL Roku. So I could pair my laptop to the TV and we could watch the movies that I had downloaded. So, all right. The moment you've all been waiting for. On to cottage bingo. Now, first thing on the cottage bingo list was ruffles all dressed. We didn't have ruffles all dressed because we opted for Sonic sour cream Doritos. We had potato chips, we had popcorn, we had the snacks. We had the Canadian treats. Um, we even had s'mores, which I think is later. So that is one out of 20. We did not find a Frisbee. So there was no Frisbee. We didn't find a Frisbee. Although I didn't look really hard, but we found every board game known to man. Uh, marshmallows, because we had s'mores. So on the Sunday night, my brother-in-law was leaving on the Monday. On the Sunday night, we had a big campfire down on the beach. And because they have their own private beach. So we had a campfire down on the beach. And we made s'mores. And my brother-in-law bought like a city's worth of fireworks. So we did fireworks off the beach over the lake. And several of the other cottagers came down to their docks to watch the fireworks because they were big and they were loud and they were cool. So there's two out of 20. Um, so let's do it this way. The things that we're missing, we'll go one. Uh, so ancient Pyrex or Coralware. Yes, we found a ton of it. We also found it. I brought it home because my sister was going to throw it out. The Tupperware cup. Do you remember the Tupperware tumblers? Yep, every cottage had them in the 80s. I have one. It was there. Um, snowshoes. Did not, Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I forgot. To, there were snowshoes in the woodshed. There were snowshoes in the woodshed. Uh, patio lanterns. Yes, there were patio lanterns. Uh, I didn't get a picture of them, but there were patio lanterns, you know. They were actual lanterns. They weren't like the solar light ones. They were actual lanterns. Uh, there was a bird feeder. Showed Dave the bird feeder. Canadian flag was right outside. Most people have them down on the dock by the water. Ours was up right beside the woodshed. So show Dave a picture of that. Okay, so I was a little concerned for the first few days about the outhouse paraphernalia. Um, there was an actual outhouse on the property. I looked at it from a distance because, you know, spiders. And I was worried about finding any of the paraphernalia. And I kept going by this kitschy little picture in the bathroom back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and I finally stopped on like the third day and went oh my god it's not three little log cabins it's three freaking outhouses that explains why the picture is in the bathroom and then there was another outhouse because they had a composting toilet so there was another outhouse on the sign telling you that you know you have to pay the toll if it's brown you sprinkle it around if it's pee leave it be or you don't pay the fee whatever 
Another little outhouse on there. So there was outhouse paraphernalia. Uh, citronella candles. Yes, we had citronella candles. We had uh, Coleman uh, citronella coils, mosquito coils. So, yeah, we had those things. Didn't work, but we had them. There were wind chimes, banging our heads off of them, but they were there out on the back deck where the barbecue was. That's where the wind chimes were. Um, the 1970s era couch. Not only was there a 1970s era couch that was really low to the ground, ugly as sin, but really comfortable. We called it the ass-sucking couch. Because once you got down on it, it was really hard to get off of it. There were also two really ugly 1970s chairs. And then two of the lazy boys that matched the couch, the same blue velvet pattern. Um, they were on stilts. Now, we think the wife must have been very short. The husband was 6'6". So all of the chairs, the fridge was up on stilts. Everything was up on stilts to accommodate his height. So, yes, the couch was there. Uh, Lipton's noodle soup. Oh, my gosh. There were like five boxes of the Lipton's pouch soup. There was um, curry powder. It was great. We threw it out because we didn't know how long it had been there, but it made the garbage can smell lovely. Uh, oh, no. And I'm not being sarcastic. It smelled great. But, yes, there was Lipton soup. There was French onion soup mix. There was um, potato leek, powdered potato leek soup. There was broccoli soup. Oh, yeah. There was the chicken noodle soup for sure. There were the ugly lawn chairs. And I bent the lawn chair the first night I sat in it. It was so old. It wasn't in the green, yellow, and red stripes, but it was the same pattern. It was the blue one. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And that one you had to lean to the right because it bent to the left. Um, yes, there was a cute little sign in the bathroom. If you not, and it didn't say if you sprinkle when you tinkle. It was the one by the composting toilet. You know, if it's brown, sprinkle it around. If it's pee, you don't have to pay the fee. Yeah, it was that. Uh, camping mugs. Oh, there were so many mugs. Mugs, mugs, mugs. Camping mugs, for sure. Um, mine, I took, said, um, stay calm and smile. And the other one that I claimed at the cottage, those are my two mugs, says, sip happens. Because they are 14-ounce mugs and they are perfect for coffee. But, yeah. Um, yep, there was a, there was a cottage themed welcome mat. It was loons and I think there was a moose on it. Um, so there was that. <laughs> and I sent Dave a picture of the fire pokey stick. My sister had to go and find a perfect fire pokey stick and she didn't find a good one at first. I had to make her one. So, yeah, she got a good fire pokey stick. So there was a long pokey stick for the fire. Um, tons of tons and tons of beach towels. Really nice, fluffy. None of them matched 
but really nice beach towels. So, so far, we have only missed one thing, and that was the Frisbee. And I'm pretty sure there probably was one somewhere. I didn't go through the entire shed. Oh, yes, and a ton of mismatched mugs. My sister got rid of most of them. We kept the good ones, the big ones. So that's it. Out of 20 things on the bingo card, we missed the Frisbee. But I do think the VC Andrews Seeds of Yesterday and the pornographic DVDs make up for missing the Frisbee. So we could have used those as Frisbees. <laughs> so that is Cottage Bingo. What? Yeah, we could have flung the DVD discs as Frisbees. So that is the cottage bingo list. I think we did really well. I was like, I was ridiculous. My sister was killing herself laughing. Poor Dave for the first two days was getting. Okay, so a stretch Hummer limo just drove by. I don't know who famous is in Sutton. It's not prom season. It's not, oh, maybe Sadie Hawkins. We don't really do Sadie Hawkins, but it's it's Thursday at midnight. And there's a limo just driving around the two streets in Sutton. And it's not, I don't think it was a bunch of teenagers or somebody that just got married or whatever because they weren't hanging out the sunroof. That's usually what happens. So, yeah, um, poor Dave was getting inundated with videos and pictures of all of the things on the cottage bingo list that I was finding. It was hilarious. But, yeah, I think I did really good. I found them all except for the Frisbee. And I found the DVDs. They would have worked. Okay, so moving on to um, other things weird and whatever, because... That's that's going to be the, the title of this, Weird and Whatever. It's the title of this episode. Did you say camel toe? Did you say camel toe? No? Okay. So this is Weird and Whatever and Camels too. All right. So um, I was looking for stuff that was just interesting and weird and not serious, because I didn't want to do a serious podcast this episode, because um, I had done one earlier in the evening. So I came across this um, headline that said, rarely seen predator spotted tearing up Texas beach. Photo show. Oh, photo show. Look at it dig. So I'm like, what the hell is it? Because in the first picture, it looks like a wet dog. And like, that's not a rare Texas predator everybody in texas has a dog because everybody in texas hunts so you got a hunting dog with your gun um but anyway so thomas howe or tom howe 67 year old padre island resident was looking for a spot to go fishing when his car battery died near the beach he told mcclatchy news but thanks to that unlucky break he spotted something furry and four-legged moving in the surf all of a sudden, I see something on the beach, Howe says. At first, I thought it was a young coyote pup, but I got closer and thought, it must be a raccoon. Wait, it's a badger, he says. Look at it dig. 
It's very weird. Howe grabbed a camera from his vehicle and started snapping photos, capturing the badger as it ran into the waves and dug holes in the sand. You see, badgers like a day at the beach, too. Periodically, the animal paused its frantic, frantic activity, sniffed at the air, then plunged its sharp claws into the sand again, rooting out crabs and whatever other morsels might be hidden. So he wanted seafood, fresh seafood. Very few people have seen a badger out here. My neighbor, two doors down, he practically lives on the beach. He's only seen one. Howe shared photos of a once-in-a-lifetime sighting on his Facebook page and in a private wildlife group. Oh my god, I had no idea badgers lived that far south. This is amazing, one commenter wrote in the private group post. Who would expect to see a badger at the beach, wrote another. Have you seen some of the people that go to the beach? I have seen many badgers and um, bears and other things. Some were even worried for the badger's health. I hope you saw him make a catch and eat it, the comment read. He looks sad and scrawny. He's wet. Have you ever taken a big fluffy dog and soaked it down with a hose? They get really skinny. That's what this badger looks like. I'm pretty sure he looks very healthy when he's dry and fluffy. How thinks the badger is healthy, but being drenched in seawater is not the most flattering look. See? While badgers live throughout much of the state, they are most prevalent in West Texas and seem to prefer large tracts of open, uncultivated ground, according to the Parks and Wildlife Department. They're tough animals with few predators. You don't ever want to corner a badger. Similar in size to a medium-sized dog, Badgers are powerfully built with a reputation for fierceness when attacked. Howe was roughly 50 yards away from the badger, and he had no interest in getting closer. They avoid people with a passion, and they're mean. They're kind of aggressive, like a wolverine. It's uncommon to see a badger out in nature, even more so to spot one on the beach and during daytime. This was unusual behavior because it was about 11 o'clock in the morning. Badgers are typically nocturnal animals, or as my niece likes to say, Mockternal. He's <laughs> so cute. According to the National Park Service, however, in remote places, they can occasionally be observed during the day. The stretch of beach the badger was on fit that bill, according to Howe. Few people were around and the area is fairly rugged. You don't want to come down here unless you've got four-wheel drive. But Howe thinks there may be a different reason the badger was at the beach. There's been such a drought that the freshwater ponds behind the dunes are all drying up, which means food becomes a little more scarce. So its behavior is changing. It's adapting to the environmental changes going on right now. Data shows that even Padre Island hasn't been spared from the drought plaguing Texas. Howe and his neighbors are praying that changes soon, he said. Howe watched the badger, badger continue its pattern of swimming and digging for 30 minutes before he moved on. He's not sure what kept drawing it back to the water. He was washing the sand off his paws. You ever got sand stuck between your toes? Or between your fingers? You want to rinse that shit off. It's just gritty. That's all he was doing was rinsing his paws off. You ever watch a raccoon? They wash all their food. Did you know that? They wash their food before they eat it. Yeah, they're smart. Um, if others are fortunate enough to come across the badger, how hopes they keep their distance as he did. The badger is a wild animal. Give it space. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, a little badger. Um, speaking of interesting animals, then I see this other one. I think it's like an animal theme now. 
So an American airline passenger brought his 140-pound Great Dane on a flight, booking two extra seats to hold her. It's very cute, actually. There's a picture or a video, a TikTok, of the Great Dane lying on its back, paws up, just kind of flipping his head around looking at people, being very well-behaved. Then he's got, uh, there's another video of him sticking his head in, looking at the, the, the pilots driving the plane. And lying on the seat, looking out the window, and being a very good, good dog, being a very good girl, drooling everywhere. Um, so if you want to see it, look up at Gibbon1215 on TikTok, and you'll see the video of um, the cute little puppy dog. Oh my God, he's adorable. His lips are, he's got a big old fluffy Very cute. I miss Piper. <laughs> she's not a very happy dog right now she's in heat and she's miserable what she does is cry because she's miserable she wants babies so and then i saw this canada's traveling to europe canadians canada's wow canadians traveling to europe will now need permits and i wanted to find out what kind of permit we needed so it says that as of 2024 Canadian travelers seeking a short-term visit to 30 countries, including France, Switzerland, Spain, and Greece, must apply to the European Travel Information and authoriz Authorization System. You'll need more than your passport, passport to visit Europe soon. Canadians and Americans <laughs> planning... <laughs> Planning a trip to Europe in 2024 will, have to, will now have to apply for permits. The European Union announced a new program that would mandate North American passport holders to obtain permits before traveling to 30 European countries, including Spain, France, Switzerland, Greece, and more. You'll need to visit the ETIAS website or app and apply for the permit, which costs 7 euros. Most applicants will receive approval in minutes, according to the EU. Once approved, your permit will be valid for three years, and you can spend up to 90 days in any of these countries. Travelers younger than 18 or older than 70 are exempt from this step, as are family members of EU citizens. Canada has a similar application process for those entering the country with visa-free access called the ETA, and the U.S. has its own version called the Visa Waiver Program. Both cost less than $10. What do you think about the new permit rule? Let us know in the comments. And guess what? Nobody commented. Why? Because nobody cares. As long as we can still go, we don't care what we have to do to get there. Oh, this one kind of scared me, seeing as I was looking up flights. This one kind of freaked me out a little bit. Pilot, die. Pilot dies in bathroom on Miami flight carrying 271 passengers. Now, this will be funny as long as the plane didn't crash. An airline pilot died after collapsing in the bathroom of a Miami to Chile flight with 271 passengers aboard. Captain Ivan Andar began feeling unwell three hours into the LATAM, flight, LATAM Airlines flight from Florida to Santiago after collapsing in the bathroom. Oh, and after collapsing in the bathroom, he received emergency treatment from the crew. The flight took 30 minutes to divert to Panama City's Tocumen Airport, International Airport, and first responders declared Andor a 25-year veteran pilot dead when the plane landed. 
well, you know, he died doing what he loved. Um, the LA-505 flight, which was operating a Boeing 787-9 Dreamliner, left Miami at 10.11 p.m. on Monday, 14th of August, and also had a relief captain and first officer on board when the, well, if you're going to die on a plane, that's the best time to do it. You got a backup flyer. So, you know, nobody in the passenger seats have to try to figure out how they're either going to hang on to their seat and bump gently when they land or, you know, learn to fly quickly. Um, the Latham Airlines group reports that the flight LA-505 yesterday, which was on the Miami-Santiago route, had to land at the Tocumen International Airport in Panama due to a medical emergency for one of the three members of the command crew. When the plane landed, emergency services provided life-saving help, but the pilot sadly passed away, the airline said in a statement. We're deeply moved by what has happened, and we extend our sincere condolences to the family and of our employee. Yes, you know, it is a sad thing. I'm sitting here making jokes, but, you know, a dude died in the air. At work. That's got to suck. We are deeply grateful for his 25-year career and his valuable contribution which is always distinguished by his dedication, professionalism, and dedication. During the flight, all the necessary safety protocols were carried out to safeguard the life of the affected pilot. You were safeguarding the death of the affected pilot. But yeah, that kind of freaked me out. Like, I, I see the pilot get up and go to the bathroom. I'm going to be banging on the door like, dude, you okay in there? Hello? Hello? Answer? Hello? <laughs> like a woodpecker on the door excuse me heard me um okay so uh i don't know if i want to go to well there you go he was halfway to heaven i don't know if i want to go to fbi raid or hawk drop snake hawk drop snake the fbi raid I think we'll save the FBI raid right before the, the, the very last one. We are going to do Hawk Drop Snake. So, this poor woman, what happened? Where did it go? Oh, come on. You're going to make me take my ad block off, really? I hate when they make you do that. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. I will go somewhere else and find the same story, which I just did. Yeah. Okay. So, Texas woman injured. Weird things happen in... Go away. Weird things happen in Texas. Weird people happen in Florida. Weird things happen in Texas. Okay. So, a Texas woman injured after Hawk drops snake on her. So a Texas woman was attacked by a hawk and a snake at the same time after the bird, which eats snakes, accidentally dropped the wriggling serpent on her. Peggy Jones, 64, was mowing her lawn. See, now this is why women should not cut grass. I'm telling you. Peggy Jones, 64, was mowing her lawn last month when a passing hawk dropped a snake on her before swooping down to angrily try to reclaim its meal. The snake wrapped itself around her arm and began striking her face as the bird sunk its talons deep into her flesh. Good Lord! 
The terrifying ordeal left her with cuts and bruises to her arm and face. You think? And a whole new realm of PTSD. The bizarre incident took place on July 25th in the town of Silsby, Texas, near the Louisiana border. It began after a snake suddenly fell out of the sky and landed on her. Before she could remove it, the hawk attack, the hawk attack began. As I was trying to sling my arm and sling the snake off, the snake wrapped around my arm, she told CBS News, the BBC's U.S. partner. The snake was striking at my face. It struck my glasses a couple of times. Good thing you wear glasses. Safety glasses, man. Just in case snakes fall. It's them bleeping, bleeping snakes on a plane. I was slinging and slinging, and he was striking and striking, and he just kept hanging on. She realized it must have been dropped by a passing bird since she was not standing under trees when it happened. Her assumption was quickly confirmed when the hawk swooped down and joined in the melee. <laughs> then the hawk appeared just as fast as the snake appeared, Mrs. Jones said. The hawk, okay, you know what? You have a snake land on you, then a hawk swoops in. I would just, all right, Mother Mother Nature does not want me out here cutting the grass. She's a little pissy at the crew cut that I'm giving the lawn. I quit. I am not Snow White. I'm done. <laughs> I would be out of there. The hawk grabbed the snake that was wrapped around my arm and pulled it like he was going to carry it away. When he did, it flung my arm up. The hawk was carrying my arm and the snake with it. The hawk struggled to remove the snake from Mrs. Jones' body, stabbing her with its talons repeatedly as it attempted to snatch back its food. Eventually, the snake was pulled from her arm, leaving her startled husband to drive her to the hospital. <laughs> I'll bet he was startled. He probably ran out with his gun and didn't know what to shoot. There were puncture <laughs> You like that, huh? There were puncture wounds, cuts, abrasions, scratches, and severe bruising, she said, adding that the snake attacks to her face damaged her glasses. Well, it could have been your eyes, lady. Mrs. Jones described the attack as severely traumatic, adding that she thought she was going to die and has had trouble sleeping since it happened. Dad to have trouble going outside. She told CBS that living in rural Texas, she is no stranger to wildlife encounters. I've actually seen a hawk pick up a snake. That's something they do. That's how they kill their prey, she said. But now, she says, it's something that she will always keep in mind. <laughs> you think? Bet you she won't be cutting the grass anymore. Oh, no. I wouldn't be cutting the grass. Holy Jesus. All right, I need to check this one out. All right, Texas, you need to move. So, U.S. snake hunters fight pythons big enough to devour gators. Um, in the decades since Florida launched its first public contest to kill Burmese pythons, thousands of people from all over the U.S. and around the world have staked their hopes on killing as many of the massive serpents as they can. Jake Willary, 22, has one major plan for his summer break from the University of Ohio hunt snakes. I think he was the dude that we saw wrestling the snake three weeks ago when I was talking about weird Florida people and used um, electrical tape to wrap its mouth. 
Pretty sure it's the same dude. The native of Naples, Florida, says he's always known about the issue of Burmese pythons, an invasive species that has taken over the Everglades and the havoc they wreak on Florida's natural habitat. He became interested in python hunting after watching professional hunters on television and started hunting them himself two years ago. Last year, he entered the Florida Python Challenge, the state's annual python hunting contest, but dropped out because he was too far behind in the rankings. This year, I want to win, he says. The Florida Python Challenge draws in hundreds of participants each year from as far away as Canada, Belgium, and Latvia, who are charmed by the prospect of fame and fortune, including up to $30,000 in prize money. Wow, I'd wrestle a snake for 30000 Recent Python Challenge winners include a deaf science teacher who bagged a nearly 16-foot snake with his bare hands, a father and son duo who rapidly dispatched 41 snakes, and a 19-year-old who said he would use his $10,000 prize to buy better snake spotting lights for his truck. Uh-huh. Mr. Willary and his cousin, who call themselves the Glade Boys, oh, dude, don't name yourself after an air freshener, plan to hunt snakes every night once the contest begins on August 4th. He says they'll pack energy drinks for the 10-day marathon contest and a lot of bug spray. That's important. Um, what about some food, dude? He'll also carry chest-high waders in case he needs to get into the water. No, 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 no. A roll of tape, yes, you used electrical wire, to seal the python's mouth before the kill. And a snake stick to move native venomous snakes off the road so they don't get hit by cars. If you're not comfortable with snakes, you're going to feel very, very out of place when you're trying to go grab that head, he says. I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable with snakes. <coughs> Which consequently means I'm not going to be grabbing the head of anything. If it's long and slithery, and doesn't have legs, I'm not grabbing its head. It's not happening. When you hesitate, then you got your right hand in front of the snake's head, and it's going to bite you. Holy Jesus, these two guys are lying. Stretched out. And there's the snake is longer than they are. He caught a 19-foot python. Local conserv conservationists say the contest is necessary in order to curb the scourge that the Burmese python has wrought on Florida Everglades. The Everglades contain the largest subtropical wilderness area in the U.S., as well as the largest mangrove ecosystem in the Western Hemisphere. The southern tip of Florida has been described at, by UNESCO as a river of grass flowing imperceptibly from the hinterlands into the sea, which supports a high diversity of flora and fauna. But Burmese pythons, which were first introduced to southern Florida from Asia via the exotic pet trade in the late 20th century, has become the largest threat to the region's native species. Survey estimates the reptiles, which can be 20 feet, no, weigh over 200 pounds, no, and grow about as wide as a telephone pole, again, no, have totally eliminated or killed over 90% of some local species such as raccoons, marsh rabbits, and possums. The snakes hide themselves in grasses, wetlands, and trees and prey on reptiles, birds, deer, and even alligators. They have no local predators that eat them frequently enough to keep their population in check. 
The colossal predators, which are also good swimmers and can stay underwater for 30 minutes, outcompete other predators like the endangered Florida panther for food sources. Harmful parasites they carry have also been discovered inside the lungs of 13 native snake species. In 2012, one year before the python challenge first began, federal officials banned the import of Burmese pythons, but the damage was already done. Now there is an open season on pythons, meaning they can be killed at any time of year without any permit required, with no limits on how many can be taken. The contest has drawn criticism from some animal rights groups, including People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. Did I say that sarcastically? Who say there should be regulations that require the animals to be exterminated in a humane way, and that it shouldn't be done by amateur hunters. We realize that something must be done to fix the exotic pet trade's mistake, but the true test of a civilization is whether it can solve its problems humanely. A month before this year's contest began, Mr. Willary was chasing pythons through swamps with university friends visiting from cities in Ohio and Illinois, who had no experience catching wild snakes. But the novices quickly leapt to work when they came upon a 19-foot python in Big Cypress Natural Preserve. I thought I was going to go for a normal head grab, and then the thing went absolutely ballistic. Mr. Willary said, explaining that it's necessary to control the head to prevent the snake from biting and beginning to constrict. Once it slithered out in the road, I got to see the massive size of this thing and realized we were getting into a fight a little bit more intense than I thought we were getting into, he says. After they caught it, the snake was declared the largest in the state's history. Yeah. Brandon Call, a deaf middle school science teacher who grew up with pet snakes and reptiles, took home the prize for the largest snake caught by an amateur during the 2021 Python Challenge, winning $1,500. This year, he will be competing for his third time. Mr. Call, who uses American Sign Language to communicate, says he was handcuffed while grappling with a snake so large that he at first mistook it for a fallen tree. While his hands, with his hands busy, he was unable to tell his stunned friend how to help during the struggle. I was more focused on fighting the snake than asking for help, he told BBC News. Okay, dude, I'm sorry, but you use your hands to talk to people. How are you going to yell for help if your hands are around a snake? You can't yell. This year, he plans to hunt with a team of deaf science teachers. There's going to be a whole passel of them out there now. He says that deafness gives him a heightened sense of visual awareness that makes it easier to spot camouflage snakes. Some of the snakes he kills are brought to school to show his curious pupils, who are also deaf. Sometimes they dissect them as a class project. My students are always really excited when I do that. Uh-huh. Yep. I'll bet. Well, you know what? All power to you, really. Grandma! Grandma's got a snake! How old is Grandma? Well, she's been a native of New England and lived in Florida for the last 40 years. If I wanted crowds, I'd go to Disney World. Nope, she wants to go and play with snakes. She wants to wrestle snakes. Well, you just go wrestle that snake. Uh, no. <laughs> no. No. I say it one more time for those in the back. 
No. I don't know. Massive pregnant python caught in Florida. No. Nope. See? Weird, weird, weirdness is in Florida. It's just... No. All right. So we're going to move from really big snakes. And I know there's somebody out there that's going to be busting her ass laughing right now. Into an FBI raid of... Um, a slithery serpent of another kind. See, I did that. <laughs> okay, so there was an FBI raid in, in October 13th of 2021 of an NSA employee's home that reveals over 16 million dick pics. You heard me right. Yes, I said dick FBI agents have discovered an estimated 16 million pictures of men's genitalia, also known as dick pics, during a raid on an NSA employee's home this week. Federal prosecutors have charged, all right, brace yourself, because this is going to be a good one, have charged Hillary Wang. Believe that's actually her last name. <laughs> Hillary had a whole folder full of wings. <laughs> a National Security Agency employee for 14 years with theft of government property. Wait a minute. This was government property? Okay, hold on. She. Theft of government property and unauthorized removal and retention of classified materials. These were classified dick pics. Oh my gosh, whose dicks were these? Were these famous dicks? It is believed Wang used her top secret security clearance to illegally download an estimated 16 million pictures of sexual nature of unsuspecting Americans mobile phones oh my god <laughs> okay guys if you have ever sent somebody a dick pic just know <laughs> studio audience now going USA USA <laughs> I want to know why why does national security think it's imperative to keep dick pics why do they think it's important to go into people's phones 
and and take their dick pics. Oh, oh this is killing me. Okay, I'm not done yet, people. Oh my gosh, okay. Apparently, it is believed when you... Oh yeah, I already told you that, okay. Apparently, she is obsessed with big black penises and the small size of her Chinese boyfriend's penis, a fellow co-worker confirmed to reporters when reached by phone. So apparently, she talked about it, too. FBI agents seized 14 computers at... Oh, my God. This can't be real. This can't... This is not real. This is not real <laughs> it's not it can't be real it you're not gonna it can't this name this next name tells me it's not real it can't be real fbi agents seized 14 computers at harry muff's home <laughs> harry muff than 53 terabytes of illegally downloaded pictures and documents from the National Security Agency. FBI agents seized 14 computers at Hillary Wang's home on Wednesday. Oh my God, I'm crying. She's a good person, but it's impossible to have a five-minute conversation without her wanting to show you a picture of some black guy's dick on her cell phone. A former co-worker told local reporters, Experts believe Wang used a custom-designed algorithm to target users' dick pics and automatically downloaded them to her home servers. The employee has been on sick leave for the past two months after battling with severe depression and mental health issues. You think so? Legal experts believe Wang could face a maximum of 166 years in jail if found guilty of theft of government property and unauthorized removal and retention of classified materials. Oh. Okay, so you know I'm running right to the comments, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, like somebody's commented and said, uh, leader of the Kurt Russell Mafia. What? Okay. Said, I mean, it has to be some sort of compulsive behavior. Looking at each picture for 10 seconds for 12 hours a day would take you more than 10 years to see them all. Um, oh, you know who they need to identify? Remember the teacher from Porky's? All she needed was to see the dick and she would know who it was. Oh, Alexa, turn on lamp. Okay. Thank you. Uh, he's so nice. So maybe it is real because this person said, I worked there as an active duty Marine for about seven years total. That place is full of effing weirdos. <laughs> Somebody else said Fort Meade or has it moved? He's at Fort Meade then and it's still there, right in the People's Republic of Maryland. Best and brightest, eh? Oh, my gosh. Uh -huh. 
I never got to go to NSA, but I spent 10 years as 0231. I do know that the more intelligent a person is, the weirder they get. Oh, that explains a lot. I'm so weird, I'm brilliant. <laughs> We're going to go with that. Um, oh, there's just people rehashing their military careers now. Semper Fi. Don't come at me. Okay, so I have saved, if you think that was funny, I have saved the best for last. Okay. This was sent to me by our live studio audience. Okay, so the last two, three. A lot of these were sent to me by my live studio audience tonight. So, <clears throat> this one had me, I was, I think he sent it to me just so he could see the look on my face when I read it. He just didn't, he just didn't tell me what it was. He just said, Google this. All right. So, there's a beauty pageant in Saudi Arabia that disqualified 43 contestants for crack, after cracking down on Botox inject, injections and other forms of tampering. Now, beauty contests should be all about natural beauty, you know? Not the fullness of the lips or the sleekness of the fur. Yes, I said fur. So organizers of a popular camel beauty contest in Saudi Arabia. I said camel. Yes, camel. Have disqualified 43 contestants after cracking down on Botox injections and other forms of tampering by breeders. The 40-day King Abdulaziz Camel Festival. It's a 40-day freaking festival. Located about 100 kilometers, 62 miles, breathe, northeast of the capital, Raida, Rayad, launched at the beginning of December. In its sixth, oh my gosh, they've been doing this for six years. In its sixth year, it sees breeders compete for more than $66 million in prizes, in prize money, according to Saudi state media outlet Saudi Press Agency. So the stakes are high. Unscrupulous breeders have been accused of using a number of methods to make their camels more likely to win, such as injecting silicone and fillers and inflating body parts. Is that like getting a boob job for a camel? Like a hump job. <laughs> Sally had two really perky little humps. Um, and inflating body parts using rubber bit. Oh, oh no, no, not rubber bands. Do you know what they use rubber bands for? Let's go back to the dick pics. This is male strippers use rubber bands to keep it dick pic worthy while performing. Oh, those poor camels. To enhance their appearance. This year, organizers have dealt with 147 cases of tampering, the largest number since the festival began. 43, PETA, PETA, hello, leave the people alone killing the snakes. 
Go after the people plumping the camels. <laughs> okay. 43 contestants were disqualified. Mazork Alnado, spokesman for the festival's legal committee, said the breeders found to be tampering have to pay fines, which vary according to the offense. For example, the fine for injecting fillers, Botox, or hormones. You want to make your camel look more like a girl? <laughs> Why would you put hormones? I don't know. Okay. Can be as much as 100,000 reals, which is $27,000 per camel. While braiding, cutting the tail, or dyeing the camel incurs a fine of 30,000 reals, which is $8,000. In order to detect, detect tampering, the camels are examined both physically and clinically using devices such as x-ray machines and sonar. The owners of winning camels receive cash prizes and the recognition means they can sell the animals for higher prices. Rare camels are big business in Saudi Arabia. An estimated 1.5 million of the animals are protected by their owners using microchips. Camels are an important part of Saudi culture. The animals are well adapted to life in the desert, such as the Arabian Desert, large parts of which lie within the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So you think putting Botox in them is going to help? Leave Sally's humps alone. I don't, I don't. Um, okay, so I just came across the thing, Sandra Bullock. One more thing before I go. Um, we watched, I downloaded a bunch of movies, and we decided we wanted to watch The Blind Side. So I downloaded The Blind Side, and it was a really good movie. I really liked the movie. I have enjoyed it before when I watched it. I enjoyed it this time when I watched it. But weirdness, weirdness happened when we came back. And all of a sudden, now all over the news is this big conflict with Michael Orr and the Tuies, um over his conservatorship. Now, that's all fine and dandy, whatever, not my business. Where I was getting upset and where I have the problem is they want to strip poor Sandra Bullock of her Emmy, of her Oscar, of her Oscar for her part in the movie. What? Her acting ability had absolutely nothing to do with the greediness of the people. Or the supposed greediness of the people. I don't know. I don't know the whole story. I don't care enough to know the whole story. But don't take away the actress's Oscar for acting in a movie for a script she was given. If you're going to start stripping people of their Oscars and their, their, their awards that they've won for portraying a character that uh, might not have been historically accurate, whole Bubba the Vault's going to fill up with statues fairly quickly. Especially anyone that was has depicted any sort of battle, because we all know that history is told by the winners. So, you know, leave her alone. Let her keep her damn little statue. Has nothing to do with the conflict that's going on. She's a darn good actress, so <clears throat> that's all I got to say about that. All right, everybody, I'm going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I have done a marathon of podcasting, and um, 
oh, oh, one tiny, teeny little thing. My guilty pleasure. I can't wait until Sister Wives starts and I get to see Cody Brown go down. <laughs> There's a lot of us that are waiting to see Cody Brown go down. Because I'm telling you, if I had been a sister wife and married to that man, I would have left him a long time ago. And he would have had a shovel upside the head. It would have been ugly. Would have buried him in the backyard. But, yeah, we're all waiting. He's, I think he's he's now monogamous because all the wives left him, except for one. <laughs> all the wives left him. They, they, yep, they left. Christine was the first to go. Then Janelle. Then Mary finally gave up. I mean, Mary, their relationship had been over for a long time. She was just too desperate to realize it. Too pitiful to let it go. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to when that starts. Um, and you know what? I'm sorry, but Cody, dude, you made your bed. You made all four of them, and you ain't lying in any of them. So, that's on you, dude. That is completely and totally on you to put one group of children over another group of children and not even to like uh covid broke the world that's all i'm gonna say covid broke the world um okay that's it i'm closing it down that's it i closed my browser no more no more i can't see anything else i am done for tonight um i will talk to you all next week i will be here I will still be hooked up to my little friend. More than likely, he will have a name by then. He doesn't have a name yet. I name all of the machines I get hooked up to. My IVs are usually George. I usually call... No, my heart... The big heart monitor thingies are George. Um, my IVs are Ralph. But uh, I haven't given this little pain in the ass a name yet. But I'm sure I will. If I don't break it before then. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good week. You know the rules. You know where to find me. Um, and if you uh, want a book autographed, I have a couple with me. Let me know. Um, I'll hook you up. You can send me the payment, and I will mail it to you. I will autograph it. I'll write whatever you want me to write in it. Tell you you're the best person ever, and you're my absolute greatest friend. Whatever. I don't care. I'll write whatever. I'm easy. <laughs> so let me know. You can get a hold of me. On Messenger, you can find me on uh, Lupus Bits, the TikTok. You can find me. I don't use Twitter much anymore, so don't go over there because it's not Twitter. It's it's the the actor formula or the, the the app formerly known as Twitter. It's turning into Prince uh, when he was like the symbol. It's just X now. Um. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, but. I don't generally check messages on Instagram because I get a lot of hello dears and hello Miss Lovely, whatever. So yeah, TikTok and Facebook are the best two places to find me. Um, and don't forget, September's coming up and our new magazine will be launching in September. Same magazine, new format. God willing. <laughs> I've done my part. Somebody else has to do their part. But they've been having oral surgery, so they're kind of cranky and snarly and gummy. <laughs> He's my gummy bear. <laughs>
but it's for a good cause. I mean, we're not, it's not for charity or anything, but it needed to be done. So, all right, that's it. I'm out. You know the rules. Be kind. Be the kind friend. If you can't be the kind friend, come sit with me and, you know, we'll, we'll say all the really funny shit. But the number one rule, don't lick shit. All right, everybody. See ya. Carry on all the way well, son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry. Don't you cry.